Hey everybody, this is Lonnie Sweet from the Sweet Management Group, and you are either listening to or watching the Never Sell Ice to Eskimos podcast, where we talk to uh, sales executives from the culinary, sports, general business, and entertainment worlds about their journey, uh, about being a salesperson in this industry, and what it took to get to where they are today. So whether you're listening in your earbuds, you're sitting in front of your computer, I appreciate you stopping by and hope you enjoy. All right. Um, welcome to the Never Sell Ice to Eskimos podcast. My name is Lonnie Sweet um, of Sweet Management Group. Rob, I haven't told you yet, but I've changed my name to Sweet Management Group from the Connect Group. Um, I am excited uh, again today because I've got a really old friend of mine named Rob Thompson. Um, I, I typically have friends of mine on this on this podcast because I just like uh, talking to folks who've impacted my life. Rob is a really interesting one because. He allowed me to work for free for him while I was in college. Um, and I met Rob my my junior, my sophomore or junior year at UMass. Um, he was running the NFL Flag Leagues and created the NFL Flag Leagues. And he allowed me to work for free for him, um, helping set up NFL Flag Leagues in Massachusetts. And uh, my first quote-unquote business trip was through Rob, where he threw me on a plane to San Francisco I went out there, set up a league, hopped up on my, hopped back on the plane and flew back to count to UMass. I, I thought it was the coolest shit in the world because I'd just taken a business trip to San Francisco. And more importantly, he's just been a, he's played a role in my life for the last 25 years um, and was really the guy that introduced me to selling and introduced me to sports marketing, even though I was in it at, at school. So it's exciting um, to, to have Rob on the on the program or on the podcast with me. He's now currently the the in the economic and athletic development at the University of New Haven, where he uh, went to school and played football. Uh, and I love you, so I'm, I'm really happy to see your face on here. I'm really happy to have a conversation. I appreciate your time. Uh, my, my pleasure, Lonnie. Come full circle, right? Totally full circle. Man, I, I remember those days so fondly because it really wasn't just about selling but it was really my first experience into like event management i mean when i think back at you know again this podcast right is, is geared towards younger kids and just like telling the experience i remember going into um into the garden and actually doing you know a pop-up contest you know a pop-up shot contest with that's right uh, i think it was earl pearl monroe or walt frazier right. whoever it was yeah and I, that day i actually met a handful of people that i still am in contact with right doug um, you know who I, I talked That's to right. the other day. Um, so it's just there was a lot of a lot of things that you that you brought me into um, that are just really awesome memories for me, right? Like it, you know, the ability to do that at 18, 19, 20 year old or whatever the hell it was, and I was I was willing, right? And and you put me around, um, you put me around a lot of amazing coaches, right? Like guys that were really seasoned and traveling on the road to go to Baltimore with you know, these older guys who have been coaching for 30 years just had so much fucking wisdom yeah. and it was just so much fun being around them. Um, I'm super grateful for you for that. I, I really am. Um, it's, you know, Lonnie, I mean, if you weren't talented, if you just weren't a great guy, I would have, I would have blown you off, but <laughs> you, you know, I, I think for me, it was always about the, do I like this person? Are they a nice person? You could train anybody. There's a lot of smart people out there, but unless you have that quality of being nice you know, and, and people enjoy being around you, then you're never going to make it in this industry. And you were always like, you stood out like that. And I grabbed you into my wing and you're not going anywhere. And here's a ticket. Get out. To, I don't care if you've never flown before. Get out to San Francisco. It, it, it might have been you know? like my fourth time I've ever been on a plane yeah, in my life yeah. right? as, as a junior. Yeah, it's I, like, I go figure just, it out. I, I was willing to do whatever the hell it took to me. And I, I would back then, I would have 
I'm really kind of now. I would have worked 24 hours if that's what it needed. And I think that, that was not easy setting up those camps and dealing with kids. And it was it was a really fun experience. So yeah, anyway, can you give a quick little background kind of on, on what you're doing now and kind of your path? And I think really more focused on the sales journey, right? Because you've had some really interesting roles, be that Disney or running an arena football team. I think it's just it, it would be helpful just for people to understand kind of your background and, and a little bit about your story. I think the first place to start is really with the NFL, because you know, what we were doing was rooted in activation, was rooted in kind of consume, direct consumer engagement. And those are kind of phrases you didn't use. You used experiential and all that way back when in the 90s and early 2000s. And I think if once we understood that part of it, like why were we going up and setting up youth development programs for the NFL? It wasn't to develop new football players. They didn't need that. They needed new consumers, right. new viewers, right? Consumption. So, you know, putting a ball in every kids six to 14's hands and their parents was brilliant marketing. It's brilliant strategy and understanding that kind of the sponsorship overlays into that and how we did the activation around those camps, those clinics and those leagues to me was the foundation of understanding how to sell it. You know, what was the consumer experience like? What was that emotional attachment back to that brand um, or that event? And how did that lead to consumer behavior? And those are all things that I didn't know at my my age, and you didn't know either. We thought it was a cool thing just working for the NFL, yeah. and then you become aware of wait a minute, this is there's how are they making money doing these three things? Oh, a sponsor's paying for that. Well, what right. does that mean? How do you drive traffic? What are, what are those key ingredients? And those are the things that I became aware of at the NFL because I started asking those questions, and the folks from you know the sponsor. Um, the, the key counts, um, reps from the, 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 um, the agencies and from the brands would show up and we would really understand kind of what they liked about it. So I was learning from inside out, you know, the sales process, how did that work? What were those relationship developments like? And that kind of led to arena football where now you got to sell tickets. Now you have to do bigger brand, you know, hospitality and then working for the Walt Disney company on their media side of their business with family facing consumers with Disney channel, radio, Disney, Disney XD, that took on a whole new level because now you're throwing in digital on on-site experiences on air experiences, you know, so you're kind of multiple touch points, you know, marketing to the front seat and the back seat. Um, so it really came down to, it doesn't matter what you're selling. It really comes all down to what you're great at Lonnie just naturally is relationships and trust and communication, you know, and those are the core three elements. I think of anything that has to do with sales and marketing and now kind of coming full circle to close the loop on that question is now I'm, I'm in fundraising or we call friend raising, you know, you're, right. you really, it's, no one's going to cut you a check unless they like you. You know, right. and no one's going to help support anything unless they believe in you. You have the vision you're going to execute on it, whether it's a sponsorship sales or it's a it's a donation. It's still a transaction of money that people are like, just lean on the pen. Let's go. And unless they have tra trust in you and they respect you and there's a great communication and you have a clear vision of how this is going to execute, be executed. And you're putting yourself in their position on what's, what do they want out of this? What are they going to look at their, you know, their return on investment or turn on donation? Cause there's always going to be something. There's always going to be some kind of expectation of that. So it's a very, very similar type of business, but this on the, on the donation side and on the fundraising side, there's more of a, emotional connection and more of a, a satisfaction on that on that part of it as there is in sponsorship too because people are getting judged on their careers so um so for me it kind of my whole career came full circle it led me back to disney where i am right now where i have six students down with me 
down at Walt Disney World with the U.S. Special Olympic Games. And, um, you know, back to the pins and, you know, <laughs> I'm back where we started 35 years ago. I, I still love events. I still love an interaction with, with parents and kids. And it's been my whole life. And I think if I can make an impact like we're doing this weekend and showing our students that it's, you know, six days, 5 a.m. wake up call, 6 a.m. on site to the right to the end, to dinner, to, to networking, you know, this is about as real as it gets. And um, my life of kind of connecting people and taking you when you're 18, 19 years old is the same thing I'm doing 35 years later. Yeah, and, I, uh, I, I just feel so blessed to have you and other people like that in my life. And, you know, it's a, it's, it's not a, it's a, it's not a sprint. It's a, it's a marathon and I'm still For running. Sure. You know? let, me, let me ask you, cause I, I, I'm kind of curious just cause it's taken me or it took me a little while to get comfortable in my sales style. Right. You know, one of the things I think is really intriguing is that there's not one answer. Right. I think that everybody always is like, well, what's a, what makes a great salesperson? Well, they're all different. Right. For me, it's about, you know, to your point, how do you gain trust and how do you um, allow people to feel comfortable? And, and more and more, I've kind of gotten, you know, more mature as I matured. It was not about shoving something down somebody's throat, but but, you know, looking at it from their side and understanding what their objective is and, and trying to be a solution. How you get there, though, man, there, there's so many different salespeople. Like I tell people I'm a I'm a hammer you type of sales guy. Just naturally, it's just kind of my personality. Over the years, I've really dialed that back just to be a little bit more comfortable. But then you've been in rooms, right? Some people are the really, really quiet types and they say five words. There's other people that walk in and they're jovial type and everybody wants to be their best friend. Like, how did you, not only how did you find your sales style, you work with so many kids. How do you help other people find their sales style and what they're comfortable with. So they're naturally kind of at their best. Well, that's a great question. I, th I think both styles or all three styles works, you know, that transactional type of pounder like you are, you know, um, then there's those, you know, relationship builders, they're slower, they, you know, they're more methodical on it. And then there's a really creative people. So the difference I always say between sales and marketing is sales guys aren't afraid to ask for money. Marketing people don't That's like right. to ask for money, right? Yeah. So it's the same thing with fundraisers. So we're, we're kind of marketing and sales all in one. Um, and I think it really comes down to what you said to begin with. As soon as you put yourself in the position of the person sitting across from the table and understanding what's number one, what's that number that they could get, a, that they could write a check on without getting approval from the top? What's the ceiling? or understanding that maybe I should go, instead of asking or getting that $100,000 deal or $100 million deal, get the, get the low-hanging fruit, the first one, build trust, build relationships, and then boom, you could get that other one if you're patient enough for it. Um, you know, and, it and it fulfills two, two guys who are the pounders, men and women who are the pounders, you're still gonna get the 25 grand. The ones that are in it for the longer haul, they're going to still get their hundred million or a hundred thousand dollar deal if they're patient enough. But I think if you, if you're empathetic, if you have a servant's mentality that you really want to see this do great for their business. I, I just remember this quote from an old boss of mine saying, make sure you can make money together, not off each other. And if right. you figure that part out, if you can make money together on this, um, I, I, that's the core of a being a really, really good, transparent, honest salesperson. So, yeah, you know, so we I named this podcast Never Sell Ice to Eskimos, right? Because I feel like, you know, in our traditional sense of like, everybody says, well, you're such a great sales guy, you can sell ice to Eskimos or catch up to a lady in white gloves. And like, the statement, it really is a dumb statement, right? Like, if you're a really high quality salesperson, the last thing you actually really want to do is sell ice to an Eskimo, for God's sake, they don't need it. 
and they're going to go tell every other Eskimo friend that they have that this jerk off just came into my igloo and sold me ice and God damn it, I don't, that's all. I don't need that, right? right. So except I for do, my cocktail, except for your yes. cocktail. Yeah. Well, they have yeah. enough ice laying around, yeah. right? <laughs> that poor lady now has ketchup on her white gloves and she's right. going to a ball. And I, I just think that it's it's you know sometimes we live in such as this day and age where it's about performance. It by the way, it always should be about performance at the end of the day, right? Always about performance. I always put the pressure on myself when I was younger, like it is just about that. And there's only one way to do that. And it's just to pound the phones, make a hundred calls, 10 are going to call back, two are going to actually be interested. And if you close one, that's the way to go. And it didn't matter who I sold to and how I sold it. I would send out blanket emails without really understanding. As I got older, and I think as the internet came about, you were able to gather more information, you were learn more about the business. For me, it became more about, let me, I'm seeking to understand their business first, right? Like I stopped making assumptions about brands, right? Like unless somebody's telling me something personally, I stopped making assumptions. I mean, I don't send emails anymore saying I can do this for you because who knows if that's really what they want, but I can help you solve this problem. What if that's not their problem? Yeah. You're getting an email or somebody's getting an email on the other side and saying, this guy's just trying to sell me something that I don't need right now, right? Like you're, you're in such a place, like do you find, like as you evolve, is it an information thing? Is it a maturity thing? Like I'm assuming you've gotten to that point in fundraising, it's much different, right? Because you're seeking to understand a human being and a person and their family or whatever it may be to donate back to their alma mater or somebody. Like how did you work through that process too? I think it evolved. I mean, we, we certainly started off when there was barely emails. So you had to right. do it. You had to grind a little bit differently and you have, you had to show up a little bit differently. Um, I think the evolution of what we're doing here, we're scaling your voice, you know, it all comes back to reputation, you know, ultimately what's your reputation. If you have a good enough reputation, you'll never need a resume. You know, if you have right. a strong enough network, you'll never need a resume in your entire career because you'll just be able to get referred because people are going to really like what you're doing. You know, so um, I love podcasts for that. I love being very much engaged in not just posting in LinkedIn, but in, getting into that community and being a part of it. I think that's uh, that's an easier way for everybody to scale. You start building a reputation that way. Um, but, you know, from... Uh, just from a, I think a pure banging the phones, the phone call will never go away. You know, don't ever right. be afraid that that's never going to go away. The human connection, getting on a plane and going and see somebody and spending time with them, you know, for a coffee. I, I think those are simple things that everybody will tell you. And it's true. <laughs> it, yeah. It's 100% true. However, you could also build, I've built great relationships just doing the zoom, you know, yeah. and, 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 business partnerships and doing deals. I've never met anybody for, except for this. Yeah. And, and that takes a skill, but you got to be able to be comfortable in front of people to do that. So it's just like a, you know, it's like a muscle memory that you have to start creating a little bit more. And if you're generally interested in other people besides yourself, um, I, I think that's a good foundation for, you know, sales in general, you know, yeah. so, you know, so I mean, I, I probably told you a lot of things you've already heard, but I'm validating that. No, I, <laughs> listen, I think it's, and again, you've had a very interesting career path, right? I think to, 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 to from grassroots sports to NFL, to the arena football league, to yeah. Disney, you reinvented yourself. You lost a shit ton of weight. Like, you know, yeah. you've, you've, you've dug into this personal branding side on LinkedIn and everything else, which I think is really interesting. 
I started asking some of the other people, what do you think like a couple of your biggest mistakes are? I've found in my career, when I look back the last 20 years, I've made a lot. I've made a lot of like, I've taken a lot of risks. Some have worked, some have failed miserably. The ones that failed miserably, I learned a shitload from that I've evolved from. Anything kind of sticks out in your mind in your career that you were like, man, that was a colossal mistake, but I learned so much from it. Um, yeah, there's been a bunch, I think not just from a business standpoint, because business, unless you own the company like you do, and I've owned a couple of them too, you know, it's always going to be a roller coaster. And I I don't think I enjoyed the good moments as much as I should have. So it's not about, I think, I think there's certainly things that I wish I positioned a little bit differently. I think that I probably shouldn't have taken some things personally when I did earlier on in my career before I was really mature and understanding that no one is ever going to help you. No one's sitting around saying, how can I help Lonnie today? You know, and no one's out to get you either. You know, no one's sitting there trying to scheme on how to get you out of your job. All of those things in my mind, I was, um, I was immature in my mind, in, in my business kind of sense that, I, when you think everybody's out to get you, you act differently. And once I realized that I should have enjoyed those moments of working for the NFL and traveling all over the world and being at all those great events. And certainly with Disney, it was a little bit different because I was a little bit further down the line. So I kind of see some, seen some things. Um, but I wish I enjoyed the moments more when they were really, really good. And, and the moments that weren't as good, I wish I just said, um, you know, know that it's going to get better and, and still kind of pick it up. So my own mind, and I think all of us get lost in our own kind of psyche. Um, it helped me, you know, realize I was going down probably a path of, you know, just not taking care of myself health-wise, you know, and I realized right. that, hey, I, I just, you know, I have to turn that around too. So um, I think if you have, if you understand yourself and you understand, you know, how, what, what kind of value you bring and, and how people perceive you. Um, that has helped me kind of take that next second half of my career and reimagine what I value I could bring to any organization, you know, and there's not a lot of people that have, have been out there. Like there's a handful of us that have been in that kind of that youth family sports and entertainment space. And um, we're a unique breed. And I know that now, you know, and, yeah. uh, and I, I kind of, I've been able to leverage that a lot. So I actually love that, man. I, I haven't heard that yet, but I, I do. I often think about appreciation, appreciating the good moments, right? I, I always get more disappointed when I lose a deal than I do happy when we do get a deal. And I think as you've gone up again, as I've evolved, I, it's actually one of my biggest faults, I think, is not being able to celebrate and be happy with a win. I just like pound and move on, right? Like deal done. Awesome. Compartmentalize it. Let me go find the next one. It's hard closing deals. It really is. It's hard. And oftentimes they take a really long time. And it's not just, it's not just that momentary thing. Like I'm sure Rob, you're like me, you're closing deals with people you've known for 20 years. And and sometimes it seems simple, right? And sometimes it seems transactional. The reality is, right? It's taken 20 years of phone calls and meetings and late nights and drinks and follow-ups and decks and failures to get to that one that actually works. Right. And you for, I forget often that journey to get to that moment. I always just think that, ah, well, they just pick up the phone and call me. They didn't just pick up the phone and call me. I've called them 600 times before they finally picked up the phone and called me. Right. And I, I do think it's a really, it's a wise kind of mature comment to just be able to stop and appreciate the moments and 
I think be grateful too, right? Be grateful for being in the jobs that we're in and we're not digging ditches, at least right now I'm not, right? We're, we're not, you know, we're, exactly. you know, we're, we're in uh, very fortunate, at least I feel very great, yeah, very um, grateful to be doing what I'm doing for sure. Um, all right, so like three things, right? Three or four things that if you were, and you mentor a lot of kids and you talk to them about their journey and from a sales perspective, I think you just you just said one of them, but what's a couple of the kind of nuggets that you, that you would kind of, tell some other kids as they're kind of going through this journey, not other kids, just people as they're going through this journey. I think a one that's, that's uh, really important is just try everything, especially if you're like before the age of 30 and you're not carrying a lot of debt. And it's a conversation I just had with our students this week is if you're not carrying a lot of debt um, from your loans, uh, try everything, you know, don't try to put an, an imagining in your mind that boy, it'd be great if I could work for the New York Yankees. Well, I'm sure it could be if you're, you you know, from that perspective, Um, but you go after the people that you feel are going to be good leaders, you know, don't necessarily go after the logo and say yes to every opportunity, even if it's going to be working for the Special Olympics selling sponsorship in New Jersey, right? Start somewhere. You're going to bump into somebody along the way that you can learn something. The quote I use all the time is you can figure out what you don't want to do long before you discover a career path that you love. So you got to try everything. It doesn't matter. I mean, there's so many things. I never knew what the NFL program was going to go. I never knew where arena football was going to go. I never knew what, you know, Disney was going to take me, you know? So you just kind of follow your instincts and say yes and figure it out because you always could go on to something else, but every place that you are, you'll figure out one, one or two things, whether you don't want to do that type of job or that type of career, or that type of industry, or you'll love it. So you're going to figure that out and you can check it off and you can move on. So every single thing is a step. So just say yes to it. Follow people, follow people, follow good people. It doesn't matter if it's not cool enough of a place, if it's minor league, if it's a park rec, a YMCA, the special Olympics, it doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's, you're going to find people, great people everywhere you go. That's going to help you. And then get mentors. I wish I had more mentors that would have pushed me earlier on in my career. You know, I, I, I surrounded myself earlier on with a lot of people that made me comfortable, people that I was used to, people from the football industry, you know, and a whole bunch of old coaches, which were great guys and they were fun to be around. They didn't push me um, individually. They didn't push me in my career. They, you know, they, they were just fun and patted me on the back and let's go. Um, and then I think the last piece was really pay attention to yourself, your your personal lifestyle, you know? So don't get away from that. Don't get away from that. So whatever that is, that, that, that the one thing that's going to keep you really motivated and happy if you, if you feel good about yourself, you know, from a person. So whether that's your, what are you doing for drinking? What are you doing? Are you smoking too much weed? Like all of these things, are you not healthy? personally healthy, like all of these things that you do in your personal lifestyle will carry over to your business 100%. You know, I never, ever, ever had respect for guys that I would, uh, men and women that I worked with that, that had affairs and cheated on their spouses. Like that to me, if you're cheating on in your, your personal life, you're not being faithful, you're going to be, you're going to cheat in your business. And then, and, and that carries over. And I 100% believe me when I tell you um, that will carry over and, Thank God I survived that, you know, 32 years of marriage. So I get to test to that, that 
your quality of your personal life will become your quality of your business life and your business career. It will leak over. It will, don't be the last person at the bar. Don't be that person who's going to be the, the fun person at the bars and on the road. You know, don't be that person and don't gossip in the office. Like don't gossip about other people because you'll never be anybody that I knew that did that in their career, never become the VPs, never move up because why everybody knows that you're going to talk shit. So don't be that person, you know? So it's just your quality of who you are matters so much in the professional career. You know, when you see some of these people that are high level executives, especially in the sports industry that, that are general managers, that are folks that are uh, vice presidents or business um, you know, professionals like Lonnie, you know, they're all, all, they're all the same. They're all high level quality human beings, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, the, the a-holes and the jerks, they get weaned out. They just, they don't last, you know, very few could sneak by, especially some, sometimes their father may own the businesses or whatever they right. can sneak by sometimes, but guys like schmucks, like Lonnie and I, <laughs> you know, we had to work extra hard and, and make sure that our lifestyle and our families and everything is, is, is that we're stand up guys. Other than that, we wouldn't have lasted. So I, I, there's, there's, I love that dude. I, I really do. And I, and I think you're right. Dude especially in our business, especially in sales, your life and business, at least in my experience, they always overlap, right? And, and I and somebody said something the other day, Lowell Tab said something about bringing stuff home with you, right? And listen, I'm sure some people say, leave it at work. And, and I, I don't know, how, me personally, I don't know how that's possible, right? If you're fully engaged and fully immersed in what you do and have a really true care for trying to be the best at what you do, yeah, you almost are forced to take it home with you, right? Because it stays with you. It's not like, you know, the Golden State Warriors lost the other night, right? You don't, you don't think Draymond and Curry are going home and, and they're not taking it home. They're not leaving it just at the game. They're taking it home and thinking about it, right? And I think immersing yourself in that world, there is such bleed over that you're right, Robbie, right? Like the idea of, of being a good human being at home and being a good human being at work they're, they're, your lives are too intersected to, to separate them, right? It's like sometimes lying is harder than, the, than actually telling the truth, right? Like trying to like keep up with all of the lies, it's, it's hard. It's, it's harder than just being upfront and being honest about it. So uh, really great advice, man. And, and uh, I know you're on the run. I know you're, you're down in Florida. I'm sure you got Mickey ears in your back pocket right now. You're going to go uh, run around with and, and teach and, and mentor some other young kids. So um, I really do, Rob. I, I, I don't know if I tell you this enough. Um, you mean a lot to me in my life. Um, you got me at a very young age, man, and, and you had an impact on me. And I'm grateful that 25 or 30 years later, whatever it is now that we're still friends and, you know, we, we, we talk when we want to talk and, and, you know, I'm here for you whenever, whenever you need me. And I know the same for you, right? If I ever need to pick up the phone and, and say, Robbie, listen, I, I need a favor, before I got the word favor out of my mouth, I know you would be there. And I'm grateful for that. So I appreciate that, Rob. Anytime, Lonnie. I was, it's just been a great journey with you. And I'm just so proud of what you've been able to build and do it on your own and do it the way you, and everybody that, you know, that knows you. And every time I mention your name, everybody loves you. And there's a reason for it. You're just a quality guy. And I appreciate uh, that. I've been, been rooting for you since, since day one. I'll never forget the night we sat there at the Jets 50 yard tailgate in New York. And you sat there like shaking your head. And I, and I was there with you. Cause I'm like, I feel your pain, man. I know. And I just wanted to be there to support you and have drinks with you. And we just looked around and we're like, well, let's, let's at least join the party. You know, maybe, let's, maybe, let's my, have maybe, my, 
maybe my darkest business moment was was that night and that week. But again, what I said before, I learned more from that week um, than I have in any other moment. Right, that failure was probably going to be at the end of the day, hopefully, my biggest success. So, yeah, um, I appreciate you, dude. Thank you for coming on on with me. I really, I really, uh, I thank you. Love you, brother. All right, brother. I'll talk to you soon. See ya.